0: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Worship Review, the podcast that critically but charitably examines the texts of songs that we sing in our churches. AKA, we ruin songs sometimes that are being sung in the churches, although that is not our goal. I am Colin. I'm a history professor and I am joined as always by my co-host and friend, Tyler of the Nine Toes.
1: Hi, I'm Tyler. Colin is making fun of me because I dropped something on my foot the other day. I'm a linguist and analyst and A former worship leader.
0: And a corporate shill now, too. Today's podcast is part of a series that we are doing on excellent songs. We want to focus on songs that at least one of us thinks are worthy of being called excellent. Typically, that would mean it would get our highest ranking. And at the end of this podcast, we will give a rating uh, out of five for the song that we're doing today. And that song is Be Thou My Vision which is a song that many would know. It is attributed to Dallin Forgale, but Tyler, I think that is in some dispute, is it not?
1: It's certainly traditionally attributed to uh, Dallin Forgale, and it's not entirely clear uh, whether that is actual authorship. I think we saw similar things before where a, a hymn would be attributed to St. Ambrose of Milan, uh, and that authorship is not really independently verified, but tradition acknowledges it as such. So what we do know hmm. is that it was translated from old Irish in 1905 by a scholar, Mary Byrne, and then uh, lyricized or set to verse by another scholar in 1912. So, um, it's certainly an old text. I mean, at least a thousand years old, if you count the original, um, probably, 1500 years old or so wow um and the modern modern lyrics aren't actually all that modern because they're sort of archaic even for the 19th century or stylized to include these and thou's that the modern english language does not incorporate but i think as we'll see um there is some sense uh, to using them they communicate a sense of familiarity mm-hmm. or even uh intimate relationship with the interlocutor uh which in this case interlocutor just means the one you're talking to uh which in this case uh and in the case of prayer is god so i really like this song i always have when my first son was born we uh, sang this song to him as a newborn baby in the hospital so it has it it is near and dear to my heart so to speak and I just love the the images in it, so I'm, I'm excited to go through it.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Well, Tyler, could you then basically summarize what the song is about before we get into some individual stanzas?
1: Yeah, so I, I called it a moment ago, a prayer. And in, in some ways, it seems to be that kind of uh, an invocation. So it's Uh, praying to God beseeching him to be various things to the person so vision uh, wisdom a shield a sword Um, and then it talks of an inheritance that is to come and at the end of this person's life a victory that's going to be won and then praying to God to take the person into heaven and the joys of heaven so it while being a song is also very much a prayer. Since we were talking about sort of the mythology of the song, I wanted to read to you the blurb from hymnory.org, which I think is pretty interesting because it ties it into a recent event. Well, sort of recent event, recent holiday, St. Patrick's Day. According to mythology, which is a very great way to start a paragraph. When St. Patrick was a missionary in Ireland in the 5th century, King Laguerre of Terra decreed that no one was allowed to light any fires until a pagan festival was begun by the lighting of a fire on Slane Hill. In a move hmm. of defiance against this pagan ritual, St. Patrick did light a fire, and rather than <laughs> execute him, the king was so impressed by his devotion that he let Patrick continue his missionary work. Three centuries later, a monk named Dallin Forgale wrote the Irish poem, I won't pronounce the Irish, because... Uh, Dave Whitcroft is certainly listening and will certainly, uh, <laughs> write to me if I do, uh, be thou my vision to remember and honor the faith of St. Patrick. For Gale was martyred by pirates, but his poetry lived on as a part of the Irish monastic tradition for centuries until Mary Elizabeth Byrne translated the poem into English in the early 20th century. And in 1912, Eleanor Hall versified the text into what is now a well-loved hymn and prayer that at every moment of our lives, God would be our vision above all else.
0: Excellent, fantastic. It
1: almost—I mean—it's almost like a synopsis of a five-book series on you yeah. know
0: various characters or something. Yeah, it sounds like there are a few movies in there.
1: Oh yeah, films. I mean, "Martyred by Pirates" could be a metal band, let alone <laughs> you know somebody's uh, life story.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the first lines of this song. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.
1: Okay, so it opens with a verb, be, beseeching him to be my vision. And thou is used here to, I think, communicate the uh, intimacy with the uh, speaker Mm -hmm. of god Uh, and the appeal here is that god would be and we know it's god because he's called lord multiple Mm -hmm. times he's called father you know we have language of high king of heaven at the very end heaven's son at the very end so uh, it's clear we're talking to god um, for those who are very persnickety not us not us but you know Maybe some people like us out there. Maybe. So, Lord of my heart, be my vision. That is to say, be that by which I see everything that I do see. And also be my my goal, my mission in this life, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Lord of my heart. This language sort of reminds me of Mark 1230. Uh, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul mm-hmm. and with all your mind and with all your strength. So um, he is the Lord, our God, but he is also one whom we shall love with all our heart. So I think it is perfectly acceptable to uh, call God Lord of my heart. And I think the heart is the seat, not just of the passions and emotions, but also of the will. And so I think it's communicating here. Yeah, um, yeah. you are the God whom I have love for, but also the God whom uh, I, I will more of and I desire. So... That's the first line. Uh, and then the second line I think is a little confusing even in in probably in 1905 just to parse. So not be all else to me. So let all else be not, that is nothing, to me. And then save here used not as a verb but as a conjunction. So connecting the two sentences. You might have language like um, all were spared save to captives on the boat and that would mean except for two captives on the boat so i think here um, not be all else to me except that you are is what i think is being said here so let all else be nothing to me except you and we have the doubling of that verb be Mm -hmm. and art both a form of the verb to be so the sense here is let everything except for you be nothing to me there may be a play on words here with, um, except that you are, it may be a, a subtle reference to God being I am. Uh, hmm. you, could, you can think of passages where God says, I am who I am. That's a possible reading, but I think the simplest is let everything except for you be nothing to me.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's funny because
0: when I first encountered this song, somebody had written the lyrics down as not, NOT not oh. be all else to me. And I remember just thinking like ah it doesn't quite make sense. And then I went and lived in the United Kingdom where they still will use naught, right? Not yeah. um N A U G H T as a as a substitute for zero. And suddenly the song made a little you know, this part of the song made a little bit more sense to me after that.
1: Yeah. No that makes sense. And I mean it's a contraction of uh, have you ever heard of ought used to mean something? Yeah. Right. Like um so without the n and so you just have this neg- negative n at the beginning <laughs> attached to yeah. ought and you end up with nothing.
0: You have to wonder if at some point it's almost like there was an apostrophe there like they were kind of mushed together, right? Not oh, yeah. ought but but you don't say not ought. That's a weird thing to say, so you just say not Right, not
1: I, I absolutely think that would have yeah, been perfectly acceptable at an earlier stage. In in German there's a very common word, um nicht, which means nothing. Yeah. And it originally comes from a word icht meaning or eit meaning um well, a white. If you've ever heard of W I G H T, that word, like a thing. Um and you had this negative particle at the beginning of it and they got smushed together, so it was literally hmm. no white or no ought, and you end up with a word meaning um, not from, literally not a thing.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. And then, Tyler, the second half of this starts talking about being my best thought? Yeah.
1: So, uh, this person is declaring that... Actually, no. I don't think this is declarative. I think this is still this uh, subjunctive mood from the beginning. So,
0: when you say subjunctive, this sounds this this sounds like uh, something that you get in your eye that that is like a, a bacteria or something. So, <laughs> what we use that word all the time. We talk about the subjunctive. Can you explain to some listeners maybe what that what that is?
1: Yeah. So, subjunctive is a grammatical mood, and that means it expresses the um, opinion or relationship of the speaker to the thing being expressed and so if we have the indicative grammatical mood then we have someone who is indicating hence indicative indicating what is about the world but if we have the subjunctive the mood is this is my desire or wish uh for okay. what not what is but what I hope should be or what could be or what would be. Right. And so in this context, uh, because the, it opens with this appeal, be thou my vision, I think it's being continuing. Okay. It's being continued. Uh, be thou my best thought by day or by night. So um, of all of my thoughts, um, you uh, would be my best thought. So be that, please. And um, whether I'm awake or asleep, may you be, may your presence be my light. You know, you could think your word is uh, a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. So, um, okay. may your presence be a light to me, whether I'm awake or asleep.
0: All right, so you don't need to run to the the pharmacy to get some eye drops. <laughs> be thou my vision, if you're using the subjunctive. No. Okay, fantastic. Next uh, set of lines. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I thy true Son, thou in me dwelling, and I with thee, one.
1: Okay, so the speaker continues to express these desires and these hopes, uh, these appeals. Be my wisdom, that is that that faculty which allows me to uh, make prudent decisions, be thou my true word. I, I Again, I, I think there's kind of a double entendre here where, yes, God is truth. And so uh, if we are speaking with our minds and hearts focused on the Lord, we will speak truth. Yet it's hard to escape the obvious parallel of Christ being the Logos, that is, the word of God. And this appeal that he would be my true word. And so I, I think there may be a double meaning to this one. Okay. May I ever be with you and you with me, Lord. I think this can be found in John 15:5. I'm the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, I think this I ever being with thee, and thou ever being with me, Lord, shows this abiding relationship that Christ talks about. It also talks about um, after one has been saved, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. um, the, the body becoming a temple of the Holy Spirit, housing God the Spirit. And then Again, thou my great father, I thy true son. So we have another relationship expressed here, not an abiding one um, in the in the sense of God abiding uh, with us, but um, He His status as our Father, His adopting us as yeah. His children, uh, which I think we find in Romans eight fourteen. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of mm-hmm. God, and we see God called Father throughout the New Testament especially mm-hmm. um, in even in um, the words of Christ, teaching us to pray by the Lord's Prayer, opening with uh, an appeal to God as our Father. And yeah, thou with me dwelling and I with thee uh, one. There's that unity again, that abiding relationship again. And this uh, another thing that I think we can find in this verse, uh, I ever with thee, that shows, and thou ever with me shows that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Which okay. is, uh, we first find in Deuteronomy 31 uh, 6. Um, yeah, <clears throat> it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you uh, nor forsake you. Originally, <clears throat> Moses is telling the people not to be afraid to go into the promised land, but uh, I think still a, a promise that we can hold on to today.
0: I don't have anything really to add. I I would just say, so far in the stanzas, I don't think anything that's been said is, is untrue or or wrong. Yeah, I'm still I would still be looking for substance or not necessarily substance but I would still be looking for again some some gospel or uh, uh, you know is there something wrong there's nothing wrong I guess it's just the song is just saying it's a series of requests of God which of course are all the types of requests that he's going to honor everything that the song is asking are the sorts of things that God wants us to ask of him. But it is a, it is an interesting song in that it it doesn't doesn't seem there doesn't seem to really be anything wrong. Like there's no uh there's n- not really any sin yet or any uh I, I don't know, it, it's just sort of it it just kind of opens right up with just the request that God be the person's vision, be the person's wisdom, be near to the person, be everything. It's it's kind of just a series of um, of these requests, really. It's, so it's kind of different than a lot of songs that we've looked at.
1: Yeah. As I was preparing for this, I was listening to this in my car as I was driving, and I couldn't escape the thought that it takes the opposite trajectory of many modern worship songs, which sort of meditate on uh, God empowering us to do something or... Um, encouraging us that, you know, we can find the strength in ourselves if we just mm-hmm. um, listen to him. And this, it just seems to be directing the person in all faculties and all aspects to the Lord to yeah. uh, seek that, that, that joy, that peace, that uh, status that they desire um, in the Lord alone. And that, I think, mm-hmm. is quite unique about this song.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, and I'm not, uh, don't hear me criticize it, I'm just kind of, uh, It's when you're used to songs having, you know, one of just a few limited formulas for the way that it, it plays out, when you actually start reading a song like this critically, it just, this song really sticks out as very different, structurally.
1: This song shares with another song, which we haven't talked about on the podcast, but some of our listeners might be familiar with, called St. Patrick's. Breastplate, which is is a similar series of invocations of the triune God to protect mm-hmm. Saint Patrick. So, just just for example, uh, Saint Patrick's breastplate uh, begin, and I wrote a version of this to music, uh, which is why I'm familiar with it. But he it opens with, "I bind to myself today the strong power of the invocation of the Trinity, the faith of the Trinity in the unity, the Creator of the elements," and it just goes through. Um these different things which uh, the speaker uh, binds to himself and, and invokes. And this song does that too. Mm. it's it's called a, uh, a lorica, but yeah, it's very different stylistically from from a lot of modern music, a lot of worship music.
0: Be thou my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thou my dignity, thou my delight, thou my soul shelter, thou my high tower. Raise thou me heavenward, O power of my power. Say it with all those uh, those little words there. Hey Tyler, so th- spoken I like guess a true Irish Now th- there you go. There, the, these lines do imply that now there is something at least slightly amiss. Like there's a battle, there's a fight that we've got to be aware of. There's there's something out there that requires us to have shelter and a tower. So there's sort of some implied difficulty here a little bit, but most of the focus is still on asking God to be something for us, right?
1: Yeah, again, we're, we're appealing to God to to be various uh, certain things for the person. Uh, a battle shield, that is, something to deflect blows, which we see in, in Ephesians, for example, chapter 6. And a sword, we also see in Ephesians chapter 6. But I think we also see this uh, reflected in the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 3.3, 3, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, we have the sword of the spirit. Uh, in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is contra- is compared to a sword, likened to a sword, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, Be thou my dignity, I think, also kind of harkens back to that verse in Psalm 3. Uh, O Lord, your shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. So I think implied there, um, the one who gives me, brings me dignity, um, and causes me to lift my head, enables me to lift my head. Uh, Be thou my delight. This is also a very biblical um, concept. So Psalm 37, 4 Uh, invites us to delight ourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, And then calling God a shelter is also biblical. I think just a lot of this seems very psalmic. Psalm 91 uh, describes the most high God as having a shelter for us, a shadow, the Almighty's shadow. Uh, Psalm 91 2 says, uh, I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So yep. there's shelter to be taken. There's defenses to be found in the tower. Um, and then raise me heavenward. I This is interesting. I, I don't know if this is meant to have two meanings. It seems like it might, where one is uh, sort of concentrate my thoughts on you, maybe lift my head uh, to you. But also at the end of my fight, at the end of this uh, battle, um, when I breathe my last, so to speak, raise me heavenward. I think that might be meant here, especially in the uh, final verse, where we're starting to talk about the High King of Heaven and and the victory being won. Okay. But what I like about this verse is uh, it it reminds us that we are in war, and I think so often in Christianity, uh, when we when people are converted. <laughs> Uh, in a sense, the, they are invited into a war that's already been won, but in at the same time they're also invited into a battle in which they're commanded to go fight. It's almost like you just you know someone just joined the army and you slap a helmet on them and say, "All right, now go." Uh, you know your orders are to go take that tower over there. Uh, welcome to the army, uh, and you just kind of jump right into it. So I I like that because. While, you know, we do need to be reminded that uh, Christ won ultimately the victory, there is a lot of fighting to be done with the flesh, with the world, and with our uh, spiritual adversary as well. So uh, this kind of battle language, which has fallen out of fashion or out of vogue, I think is valuable in its own right.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's get to the fourth set of lines now. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise, thou mine inheritance now and always, thou and thou only, first in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. Tyler, I think this might be my favorite set of lines, I'm not sure. Mm. What do you think?
1: Yeah, these are very moving lines. I don't know if they're my favorite. I guess... Maybe when I mature and achieve the uh, state of spiritual maturity that you're at, they <laughs> there you go. be my favorite <laughs> lines. But I still love that third verse that gets cut, maybe just because I like the, the fighting the, imagery. The, the battle shield,
0: that's your favorite one?
1: I love that verse. Okay. I don't,
0: now, well, you said it got it gets cut. Who cut it, Tyler? Who Who's cutting that verse? I think the Methodists originally. Why do they not like it, I wonder?
1: Yeah, I don't know Why? You know what, let me justify this. So as early as 1950, this um, tune had been cut down to four verses, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the Methodists are to blame necessarily, so I probably shouldn't malign them, right. you know, the good Good Wesleyans without cause. So I won't I won't fault the Wesleyans, but I don't know why it's been cut. I like it, but in any event, the, this verse, Riches I Heed Not, is certainly in every version that I've ever sung. Hmm. And yeah, I think it means, uh, well, to heed is to pay cre- to give credence or authority or value or honor to something. So I heed riches not, that is to say, I do not give uh, credence, I do not judge by, I do not um, ultimately seek riches, I do not ultimately seek the empty praise of man. I love that man's praise is called empty. Um, We see this all throughout Scripture, throughout the Proverbs. I think we also see this at the end of the book of Romans. Paul says, um, such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. There's lots of warnings against the Mm. flatterer, the smooth talker. Um, the one who f- who flattery is essentially manipulating a person by saying nice things about them. So what comes across as being you know kind speech is ultimately from uh, a black heart and uh, this is a good warning against that. And whereas the world stacks up wealth and puts faith and hope and uh, credence in wealth, the Christian uh, has an inheritance that is imperishable, as we see in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 4, inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven uh, for the saints. Mm-hmm. So this is what we have to look forward to, not the empty praise of man, who not only uh, is deceitful and sinful, but will also himself perish, if not in the Lord. Um, as will wealth and riches. But God is our inheritance now and always. And he is our, in addition to being our father, our vision, our wisdom, our true word, he is our treasure. The high king of heaven is our treasure. Mm -hmm. First in my heart, foremost in my heart, uh, before all things in my heart. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, other than the save that thou art at the very beginning, this is the first indicative verb, this art at the end of this verse. Now, art is just an archaic uh, way of saying are when you use a thou pronoun, a second Mm -hmm. person singular pronoun. So my treasure, you are, uh, that is to say, you are my treasure, high king of heaven. Uh, You and you alone, the first and the foremost in my heart. If you want another proof text for the vanity of wealth, I could give you a, just look up Ecclesiastes chapter five and it will tell you all about the vanity of wealth.
0: That's good. That's good. Um, I like this stanza because I find it nice and coherent. So it begins with the idea of riches and then it ends with the idea of treasure, but the riches that it talks about in the beginning are the riches of this fleeting world that do not last, that are going to be as chaff and then it also, in case you were going to be able to say, well, I'm not a wealthy person, so you know this doesn't really apply to me. But then, of course, man's empty praise is also another fleeting thing. And then instead, we have an inheritance in God. It is an inheritance we enjoy now. We enjoy it also then for all time. It is an inheritance in God only. It is the first of the inheritances that we need and the only inheritance that we need. It's an inheritance that comes from the king of heaven and therefore is a treasure. I just, I find that a really um, nicely packed set of ideas in four lines, all kind of surrounding the idea of, you know, what is treasure that is fleeting, but might seem attractive, but what is the treasure that matters? it's this treasure in god it's this inheritance it's it's it comes from our king i just think it's a really nice a nice thought here a nice thing to sing
1: yeah and i like it's almost set up like an argument
0: yeah maybe that's why i like it
1: not x not y but yes z <laughs> yeah
0: I, that may be why i like it it, it just it, get, it comes across like a it's like the sustained kind of logical yeah argument i guess All right, then we get to the last set of lines. High King of Heaven, my victory won, may I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun, heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Tyler is, is after saying all of these wonderful things, is is the singer now wondering if they're gonna reach heaven's joys, or or is this just a, a, a way to to use language a bit differently than we might expect?
1: The subjunctive mood can be used to talk about hypotheticals like If he were to come tomorrow, then we would go to the park, but it's also used for desires and wishes and prayers and appeals, and so that's what's going on here. It's not that the person is um, questioning his or her salvation, but – Rather, expressing the desire to reach heaven's joys.
0: We do this all the time. Like, often we pray for things that we know the answer is yes to, but we pray for them anyway. I mean, you know, we ate dinner tonight. We prayed that... God will bless the food for example that God will um make it nourishing to us God will do that thing right unless we're eating something that's utterly atrocious right then maybe he won't but Which we kind of did tonight we didn't have the healthiest dinner tonight but we trust God anyway that he will bless the food
1: Yeah and and think about the Lord's prayer too uh, which I mentioned before it's full of these subjunctives which are not uh hypothetical whatsoever they're 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 definite they're indicative but we express them in that mood because it is our wish and our desire, and it's a way of of expressing our appeal to God. So when we say, thy kingdom come, as opposed to indicative thy kingdom comes, uh, we're not saying it's a hypothetical that God's kingdom would come, we're saying it is my desire and I am hereby expressing that desire that your kingdom uh, would come and that soon. So Mm -hmm. uh, here I, I don't think it's hypothetical at all. I think it's it's just indicative of I I shouldn't say indicative it's expressing a mood um, and there's another curious and complicated grammatical thing going on here with the my victory one where we have that past participle one of the verb win and in this sense I think what's being done here as some of the other translations of this text have done is uh, by saying my victory one comma we are saying At the point at which my victory is won, may I reach heaven's choice. And so that's why some translations will say after my victory is won or when my victory is won. Because that's what's going on here. When we saw that third verse fight going on, uh, when I win in that fight, that is to say when I uh, finally go on to heaven um, after fighting in this life, may I reach the joys of heaven. Mm-hmm. And God is called the son of heaven. I think this is, um, pardon the pun, but God the son, because in, in Revelation we see that there will be no more need for the S-U-N because uh, Christ will be the light of the new Jerusalem. So I think it's it's good to call him heaven's son if a bit um, uncommonly done. And I think we actually have mm-hmm. – similar structure to the previous verse where we opened with the high king of heaven and then we end with O ruler of all so it's uh bringing it it has at the beginning and the end of this verse the bookends of uh, the kingship of god over all things Mm -hmm. and we also have a nice tying in from the first verse of god being our vision which comes back here at the very end uh and i think i can actually say this is my favorite verse, actually, um, okay. because it takes a lot of courage, I think, to say whatever befall, be my vision, or ruler of all, because mm-hmm. in, in this life, we will face all sorts of troubles, trials, tribulations, sufferings, oppositions, persecutions, and it takes real courage and faith to say, whatever happens to me. Which might be absolutely dreadful. May you still be my vision, oh God, O oh ruler of all. Yeah. It's a really powerful prayer when you stop and think about it.
0: Yeah. I like this. I like this last set of lines a lot too. I think it's nice to say, okay, there, there could be a lot of different things that happen that are going to be bad, um, but God is the ruler of all. So of course he'll still be my vision. Of course he will still be the thing that... I am aimed towards because he's ruler of all. He's therefore he's ruler of me. He's ruler of my life. He's 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 a, a, you know and everything that happens to me. He's got it. So it's a it's a nice sentiment. Which kind of it's like a um, it's like a performative proof here. Not a performative proof, but it's like a you, you know it's just it, it, again it's logical. It's just logical that you would be able to say whatever befall me, still be my vision. Because, right, which isn't there, but because you are the ruler of all. So, of course, we know this will be. Mm. So, Tyler, can I ask, since we're getting close to the end here, can I... I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I do think this question does kind of put you on the spot. So I I apologize for it in some ways. But you brought this song and you said, this is an excellent song. And when I asked you at the very beginning to talk about it, you mentioned, I think, some very personal things that you appreciate about the song. Like you have an association with it and your children, one of your children, what is it, in your view, that objectively makes this an excellent song? Like, what is it about the song itself that really makes it excellent?
1: Some of the stuff that I mentioned a moment ago, that uh, it encourages us to find our hope and uh, trust and shelter, our dignity, our delight in the Lord and in God alone to forsake all other other things like wealth and the praise of man in order to uh, find that. Uh, security and yeah i will acknowledge uh the critical might suggest and i don't mean that in a bad way but just the thoughtful criticism might say yeah but there was no mention of of sin in this song yeah there was Mm -hmm. no mention of
0: uh no jesus
1: yeah christ jesus by name i would say he is present in this song um but it's yeah not obscured by the language but it's it's just poeticized away a little bit from the plain reading but i think what you have in this song is uh a meditation on a fixing of the mind on and an appeal to god alone for the christian so that's why i would say it's it's an objectively excellent song Hmm. okay
0: yeah, I'm I'm actually a little bit on the fence and I I came into this podcast episode not sure where I was gonna land. I'm still in some ways kinda thinking about it. Because in many respects the song is wonderful in that it it just has these statements that you want to sing, and that it's good for us to sing. They're great. I mean, we should want God to be our vision, and we should talk about the battle and acknowledge that God is our shield and our sword, you know, our shelter. I mean, the, I, you went through all of the connections, like this, the, there are a lot of connections to the Psalms here, God being our tower. I, I mean, there's, a, there's just so much that's really, really nice in this song, and what I'm wrestling with is, well, how essential is it to say something about the cross, right? How essential is it to say something about sin? How essential is it, you know, law and gospel, right? Does this song have law and gospel in it? The last song we looked at really had that strong in uh, "To the Cross I Cling." Both of those were in there, and it's like, no, not every song has to have that stuff. So it's true; like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to have that. But I, I just can't help but have this nagging feeling that there's just this song just doesn't quite seem like it has enough, and I'm just struggling to actually articulate why that would be because it does have a lot. This isn't, this isn't like. These songs that we continually give like twos and threes to, which it's like okay, it didn't have anything wrong in it, but it didn't say much. Like this song does say a lot. This song says quite a lot. I'm just trying to, th- I'm just trying to figure out almost in real time here whether it says enough to be excellent, right? Does it say enough to just to hit that highest mark that we tend to have for songs like before the throne of God above or. Uh, I don't know, In Christ Alone or something like that. Like, like, would I put this song on the level of those songs? I'm just, I'm not 100% sure that I would. I just don't know. I don't know. Any other th- hmm. concluding thoughts or just thoughts about why it's an excellent song?
1: Yeah, I would say without straying into arguments from silence, the song does seem to me to make implicit arguments Against finding one's hope in lawful conduct or yeah. um, being esteemed by others for one's behavior, it seems like. Yeah. Though it doesn't say, "Here is the law, and I did transgress that law, but you, in your mercy, uh, forgave me." It says, "Be thou my dignity." So I cannot, if I had the capacity in myself to be that dignity then I wouldn't need to make this appeal, but it seems like I do. Uh, It describes a battle that's going on and a sword that I need for the fight. If I were capable of waging the battle uh, with other means or other tools, it wouldn't make sense why this uh, prayer or invocation would be necessary. If I could take shelter in my works, I don't know why it would appeal to God to be my shelter. And so to me, it seems to be it, it, you're right that it doesn't state the explicit rejection of those things for one's security, one's shelter, uh, and one's uh, hope, but it does seem to me implicitly to point us away from those things if you will.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I That is definitely true. It, In fact, this song does a lot with inference and implication in ways which I think are sophisticated and not, you know, so many times we've looked at so many contemporary worship songs, which are vague and not because they're doing something clever like this song does where they're being subtle. It's like they're being, they're just obfuscating things and... and just being silly in the way that they're vague so i agree i agree i think that's a fair point
1: this song reminds me a little bit of is he worthy by andrew peterson where you gave it a four and i gave it a four and then later on i think we both in the season wrap-up said and this was uh episode 63 for listeners who want to hear this episode both said we were too hard on it But there's that line in there, uh, is it good for us to remind ourselves of this? Or is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Um, This song, Be Thou My Vision, is full of lines that are good for us to remind ourselves of. Whether or not that makes it, uh, in fact, I won't say whether or not. I don't think that alone makes it a good song, but in my opinion, there's enough here that makes it not just good, but an excellent song, but I respect the opinion of the one who uh, disagrees.
0: Sure. All right. Well, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and give your rating?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give it a five out of five bucklers because some <laughs> translations, instead of battle shield, have buckler, which I like because a buckler is a lighter, more agile shield for fending off and parrying blows and allows you to remain swift on your feet when you're swinging a sword.
0: Yeah. I've always liked the word, the term buckler. When I when I first started playing like computer games, one of the games that I played was called Exile. And they one of the first shields you could get were bucklers. They were a type of shield. And then I had to learn what a buckler was. So it was fun. Nice. All right. Well, uh, man. So for me, I feel like I've got to have a strong warrant to give the song a five. And I'm just... I just am not, I'm not a hundred percent there yet. So maybe if we, if we, you know, come back to me in a few weeks and if something has come up, maybe I'll have thought of something or you'll have convinced me through conversations we have outside the podcast or something, but I'm going to go with four out of five Tars of par. So four out of five Tars of par.
1: You can just make it one compound. Parters.
0: Yeah, parters. Parters. Oh, that's good. That's even better. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Four out of five parters. <laughs> parters.
1: Oh, we're going to lose all of our Irish listeners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Tots, okay, uh, well okay, we Colin. We'll be all right. I'm so sorry. Irish. Now people.
0: we definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, everybody uh, who listens and has still listened and made it through this whole podcast, thank you for che- tuning in to another episode of the Worship Review. We ask you to share the podcast with your friends, let folks know about what it is that we're doing. We've got a huge back catalog at this point, so feel free to search those. We probably have done uh, over 130 songs at this point. This might be 130 or near 130. Yep. I guess with interviews we didn't quite do that many. We've we've done over a hundred songs at this point, we so have. yeah. Give those uh, give those a, a listen. Uh, as always, you can write to us feedback at the Worship Review. You can also communicate with us on Twitter. Just search for the Worship Review. You'll find us on there too. You can tweet at us, and yeah, take care, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.
1: You've been listening to The Worship Review.
0: Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.